women past menopause are the wisdom keepers. And also in the shamanic tradition, we retain our wise blood. So we're not leaking that energy every single month. So there's a magic at every single stage. You don't lose anything. Our culture teaches you that you do, but you don't. For instance, the studies showing that it is women in their 60s, 70s, 80s having the best sex of their lives. It's not what you've been told. Hi everyone, it's Dr. Anna Kabeka. I'm the Girlfriend Doctor, and it is my mission and my passion to help women live better lives before, during, and after menopause. So welcome to the Girlfriend Doctor podcast, an intimate place for intimate conversation. And I want you to know that I am here for you and you can ask or tell me anything. No shame, no guilt, no apologies. We pull back the curtain on all things related to women's health, sexual health, libido, PMS, menopause, you name it, we talk about it. Our goal is to shine a light on your overall wellness, mind, body, and spirit. And I want to share with you today just one of my mentors who I truly have admired throughout the years as a pioneer. In fact, in my book, The Hormone Fix, I acknowledge this guest in my acknowledgments as such an inspiration. I had written Dr. Christiane Northrop. This is that whose book, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdoms, was given to me by a patient in 2000, inspired me and opened my eyes. And I hope my book, like hers, will open the eyes of more patients and physicians as they work together to heal holistically to their best abilities. Yes, my guest today is Dr. Christiane Northrup. Again, a woman that I truly have admired. I have admired her work and the way she shows up into this world. You may be familiar with her best-selling book, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. Well, Dr. Christiane Northrup, she is the New York Times best-selling author of not only Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, but the wisdom of menopause and goddesses never age, as well as the host of eight public television specials. She is a board-certified gynecologist and obstetrician with more than 30 years of clinical experience. Dr. Northrop has been featured on The Oprah Winfrey Show, The View, The Today Show, and Good Morning America, among others, and is a trusted voice in women's health. So join me in welcoming Dr. Christiane Northrop. Welcome, Chris, to the Girlfriend Doctor podcast. It is great to have you here. Really such an honor. (laughs) You know what's really, there are very few of us who are in this boat, a holistic approach to OBGYN. So it's an honor to be here because it's, it's, it's a very small group of people. It is. It is a small group. I know, especially as I started doing functional medicine and integrative and anti-aging medicine, be like, okay, how many OBGYNs in the group? And maybe one. Yes. And it should be what everyone is doing. I mean, it really, it it just should be. And, you know, when I read your work and my work and they completely complement each other, you know, so it's a pleasure to be here with you. And I love that, you know, it's this couch time because I used to have my patients sit on the couch, they'd tell me their story, they'd start to cry. That was the whole basis for women's bodies, women's wisdom in the first place. It's like, I listened to women, they told me their story. I wasn't hearing it in the medical literature. I wasn't hearing it at the holistic medical meetings. I wasn't hearing it. That's why I wrote 
women's bodies, women's wisdom in the first place, you know, and now this is like edition five. This is it, man. This is the final edition. I call it my, my post me too version, you know, it's sort of like wrap up my career bookend it with, you know, completely updated version. Well, I'm excited because I I just, you know, as I told my audience before you came on is that you have influenced me so much. One of my patients and maybe in early 2000 or late 1999 gave me a copy of Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. And I was like, what? This is an OBGYN? Because there's an intuitiveness to what we're doing. Well, this doesn't seem right. Or like even birth control pills, like these triphasic birth control pills. I mean, like what? Why, Why would this be okay? You know? And and you start thinking, they're like, oh my gosh, here's this doctor, this mainstream doctor, and she's questioning it and, you know, making so much sense. So tell us, tell us about, you know, women's bodies, women's wisdom and how that really moved you. I mean, the impetus, what you were seeing back then and now in this new version, I, I'm, you, all stages, all yours, Dr. Northrup. Okay, good. Okay. So here I am, you know, I'm board certified OBGYN. But I had sat with Michio Kushi, who started the macrobiotic movement, and I sat with him the year after I finished my residency down at Tufts New England Medical Center, and he was treating all these people with diet, you know, and at that time, a macrobiotic diet, a whole food diet. And I watched the change in their bodies, in their faces. I watched people who came in with terminal cancer get better. It was so striking to me. They'd come in, you know, with these huge charts and mainstream medicine had completely given up on them. And some of them, not all, of course, did very, very well. So I began to study the role of nutrition in medicine. And at the time I began to do some lectures with uh, Dr. William Costelli, who was, who founded the Framingham Heart Project. And he would, he'd put up a slide and of the arteries of a monkey and how the monkey had completely gotten rid of hardening of the arteries with diet. And he said, the only problem with this country is you've got to be a monkey to get the right treatment. And so I began to integrate whole foods with my practice. And because a lot of people, the macrobiotic community came to see me, the macrobiotic people from all over the world. And I, I understood what they were trying to do. They were trying to change their, what we now know as the microbiome. And uh, they were trying to use organic foods. It was the, uh, Micho started Erwan Natural Food Company. And now it's sort of had a resurgence. There's a beautiful one in um, that wonderful beach out in California. Anyway, there's some good ones. But, you know, back in the day, so when I was practicing, the natural foods you got were from bins in health food stores, you take the top off and moths would fly out. So now we didn't have whole foods. We didn't have any, any of that. So we just had a group of people. And I was called by my aunt, who was a, a medical doctor. She sent me the book, The Nuts Among the Berries, when I went off to medical school. I mean, you know, my family, the aunt and uncle thought I was nuts. My dad was a holistic dentist. He completely got it. And so I began to see what nutrition could do. But then I saw that no matter what people ate, there was a group that just didn't get better, no matter what. And they'd get better and better at their diet and they'd get stricter and stricter and nothing worked. And then 
the recovery movement was kind of new in the in the 1980s. Adult Children of Alcoholics, Melanie Beatty's work, Codependent No More, Claudia Black's work about adult grandchildren of alcoholics. So I began to do a history and found the huge number of people had an addict in the family, huge. And then I also began to realize that that pretty much applied to everybody. You know, they say that every alcoholic adversely affects four people. And if you add that up, there are more alcoholics than there are people to adversely affect. And that's just alcoholism. That doesn't count drug addiction, perfectionism, um, you know, the people who are addicted to cleaning. I was even on Phil Donahue as an expert on process addictions way, 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 way back. Process addiction at the time were chat rooms on the computer. People were paying money for chat rooms to talk with each other and going bankrupt. So that's a process addiction. Shopping, you know, hoarding. We know very, very often hoarding is associated with sexual abuse in childhood. So I began to see all this stuff. And meanwhile, in the American Holistic Medical Association meetings, when we talk about the female organs, you know, the uterus and the ovaries, you know, would the, the literature would say, see kundalini. And I'm thinking, I'm seeing an awful lot of abnormal pap smears between here and kundalini. I mean, and, and the, you know, the energy rising. So I had people sitting in my office telling me the truth. And I came up with a, a hypothesis that the diseases of women's organs were symbolic of the wounding of the feminine, including in men, in our patriarchal society. And I wrote a little article for a publication called Woman of Power way back then, and it got published in Boston. And one morning in the late 80s, I stood at my bedside table and using an affirmation from the game of life and how to play it, I said, infinite spirit, give me a sign, show me the next use, next best use, of my gifts and talents. And at, that was 11 in the morning. At two that afternoon, I got a call from a literary agent who I'd met at a workshop. And he said, I think it's time you wrote a book. And that was the beginning. And back then, I have to tell you, nobody understood the mind-body connection. I have um, those letters you know, that you get from literary agents or publishers about, and my favorite was from an agent at ICM, International Creative Management. And she said, your idea that emotions affect the body, though fascinating, has no marketing potential. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. that's a whole market of itself. Yes. But believe me, not only wasn't there a market, there was a heck of a lot of criticism. I like to say that I, I had to break trail at night, climbing on an unmarked peak. And now, like you said, it is a whole industry. So we have another generation of women coming along, you know, the ones whose mothers gave them my book for high school graduation, who are now approaching menopause, <laughs> you know, that group came along and they're paving the way and putting up landscape lighting. And it's really very satisfying to me to see that it takes a while, right, to trickle down any new paradigm. And, you know, and you're one of those people, one of those doctors who was ready to see something that still, frankly, is not taught in our profession. If anything, I think our profession is now more taken over by drugs and surgery 
as the only answer than it ever was. But, you know, that's where we are. So here I am with now a new edition. I call it the post me too edition because I was in Florida on vacation in the fall of 2017 when the Harvey Weinstein thing broke. I was transfixed. I couldn't, I couldn't read enough because it was like suddenly the culture was ready for what women had been saying and experiencing forever, kind of like spotlight what that did for boys who'd been abused by priests and girls too. You know, I have chills right now. I have such chills. And just thinking about this, I can imagine you just even there, just that during this whole time, the 2017 Me Too movement and how that started and just that realization that this is opening up, like people are opening up and what a vulnerable story to tell. But yet women are gaining the power and comfort and ownership and voice that has been suppressed for so long, right? Because there's so much shame and guilt and, you know, insecurity around it. And it's like, no, I'm victim here. Heck, you know, this is, I just have goosebumps. All wounds, we know this, need to be witnessed in order to heal. So we now finally have a global witness about what's been happening. And that gave me the impetus to, update the whole thing. Okay, where are we now? What can I put in there? And I came out of the shoot this time, you know, before in 1994, the book comes out, right? I can't possibly buy every copy because my colleagues are going to see it. When I was on the cover of then East West Journal, which became Natural Health, I went down to the food co-op and bought every issue so that the doctors I worked with would not see it. And that worked pretty well. I'm in a labor and delivery. I'm getting calls from all over the world, uh, you know, about my approach to nutrition and all of that. But I didn't want my colleagues to see it because I think because of so many lifetimes being burned at the stake. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is real. In the morphogenic field around the earth, that's why people are so afraid. And this time the book came out and I, you know, I walk into Grand Rounds and Luckily, no one said anything, but it truly was, it was the beginning of a, of a new era. Eventually, I lost my teaching position at the University of Vermont College of Medicine when the wisdom of menopause came out. That, you know, that's like they'd had it by then. You know, as, as uh, Joseph Campbell says, the function of orthodoxy is to create martyrdom for mystics. And I was talking about the spiritual connection in the body and, and all of that. And that just, you know, and chakras and, well, we can't be talking about that. I remember grand rounds when a guy came up from Boston, you know, one of the big Boston experts, and he gives a grand rounds with the big revelation, huge revelation that chronic pelvic pain is associated with sexual abuse. Duh. I mean, my patients were seen by my colleagues as crazy, that they were the crazy ones they only saw normal women. And in retrospect, of course, what we know is they saw women who simply hadn't said anything yet. Or afraid to speak about it, right? And, and I thought about this, you know, we rebranded this year, the girlfriend doctor. And I was like, oh, do I, you know, how do I feel about that? And then I went to an OBGYN conference with our esteemed colleagues and, and heads of division and stuff. And I said, well, there's less than 1% of the individuals here that I would probably speak on an intimate level with that made me em embrace this 
title as well, because that comfort level, being able to say, you know what, this happened to me, right? And you're not judged, you're not made to, you know, you're allowed to release and release that pain. I mean, we have in OBGYN, it is such an honor, honestly, to be in such intimate aspects of our patients' lives from your period starting to pregnancy. No one has more intimacy, like nobody, nobody. We are right in the middle of the deepest shame and pain that any woman could possibly have. And, you know, I used to be an abortion provider way, way back in, in, before they started shooting them. And um, I actually got out of that because I got to a point where I realized women needed to learn to run their reproductive system like their checkbook. I mean, they really needed to to take full ownership. And I understand rape and all, and I understand the power dynamics, but that's, you know, you're in the middle of a political battle when you're in somebody's pelvis, no question. So you said run the reproductive system like their checkbook? Explain that. What I meant there was pregnancy doesn't just happen. I mean, I had women with PhDs come into my practice. I'm sure you did too. Mm-hmm. And they'd say, I don't know how this happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. I mean, what I mean is to be very conscious about what are the deposits you're making and what are the withdrawals and what are the relationships like? And, and are you sexually available because you're afraid of being alone or you're afraid of uh, losing the man or whatever it is? Like just more conscious, very conscious of who's coming in here. Who are you letting in? Mm -hmm. I a hundred percent agree with that. I have four daughters and from ages 12 to 31 and my 31 year old came to me recently and she goes, you know, cause I'm talking on stage and I talk about sexual health and, and women will come up to us afterwards and say, you know, I've never had this conversation with my mother. I've never had this conversation with my daughter, like, and, and having conversations even with friends, like pain with sex and menopause, you know, really. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And, and best friends for 30 years and never talked about it, never discussed it with their husbands or partners and in that situation. And this one, and Brittany came to me, she goes, you know, Ma, I really want to have this discussion because my friends have, they're, they've had babies and they don't know that they have three holes down there. I mean, there are some issues that need to be <laughs> explained. And, and then also, we look at autoimmunity and adjuvant, right? We have, we're now looking at additional adjuvants that might be forced upon us in the form of a vaccine, which we can definitely touch on this topic. But that is, we know that can promote autoimmunity. Well, what does sperm do, right? DNA, RNA, would that also possibly, I mean, I put it out here in theory, it definitely needs to be substantiated, but I, you know, but just biochemically, it makes sense. And that could be, you know, part of the autoimmune attack on our body sometimes. It's just something to think about. And I was explaining to the girls, you know, like, you know, look, when, when a man ejaculates in you, it's certainly, it's got to get to the, like, there's an egg, it's going through the tube. There is seminal fluid, there are sperm that end up through into your pelvis. And then what, right? What happens to that? The macrophages come in, your body you know, makes an immune attack right there because it's a foreign body. It's doing what it's supposed to be doing, but it's also something to consider. You know, those studies where they have women smell the t-shirts of the different men 
And the ones that smell the best, that is the best genetic match for them. Again, I've had patients who had terrible vaginitis until they changed partners. And then when they had the right partner, the body didn't do that at all. So that's, that's so interesting to me. And we have some data on birth control pills will knock out that olfactory sense that women have. And so they're sort of on automatic pilot. I say, would, you know, do you want to cycle with the moon or orthopharmaceutical? So women's wisdom is, what are all these things that the body is doing that we need to know about? You know, I had to invent a language of women's wisdom because all we had was a language of women's disease. And that's mostly what women's health is, not the way you do it, not the way I've done it, but it's disease screening. You don't have it yet, keep coming back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, whereas your approach is, how do we optimize what's going on in your body? The, like the absence of disease is not health. It's just sort of neutral. So. And being able to look and say, well, these are the things you're at risk for and understanding that even now knowing through my own personal journey too, the perimenopause menopause transition is harder for those of us who have had adverse childhood experiences, ACEs and PTSD. And, and that's something to like, I wasn't taught that. I mean, like I had, was not prepared for my PTSD journey at all, oh, the hormonal reproductive effects of it. No, and I know your story, which is an astounding, astounding story. And um, what I say is it's a, it's a reset. Well, obviously, we get a chance to reset all those times during our menstrual cycle. And then if you don't, you know, if you haven't taken advantage of this cyclic wisdom, you'll get it between the eyes during perimenopause. You know, it's the big wake-up call. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you use the word wisdom, you know, in that sense of innate wisdom, that intuitive, like tapping into our intuitive sense. And it's imagine, you know, I just imagine what you came up against in that. I mean, I, you know, we fight it now, right? But imagine what you came up against as I traveled around the world in my own healing journey. I mean, traditional medicine, traditional philosophers and healers say the breast hold relationships, the kidneys hold fear, makes sense. The adrenals are right there. The liver holds hate, the pancreas guilt. And, you know, the bladder, I think being black, pissed off, <laughs> being pissed off, lack of, you know, or afraid to make the next set, fear of letting go or something like that can be, but different things in the reproductive organ. So I would love to know some more of bodies, our bodies wisdom. And then also, no matter what we've been through, what we can, you know, what are our, our next rights, especially those of us who have had, you know, trauma, sexual abuse. And I mean, that sexual trauma, how do you encourage safety in talking about it for healing? Or what are the steps to heal from that sexual trauma? I just asked you a lot of stuff. I'm just... That's okay. <laughs> no, one of the best ones is to find what's called your G-spot, which is really, I like to call it the sacred spot. Mm -hmm, better. And that is located. It's a kind of a nickel size or quarter size just underneath the pubic bone. So you can feel it if you're kind of squatting down and put your fingers underneath the pubic bone. That goes to what's an anadi, anadi is an acupuncture meridian, right up to your pineal gland. And if you've been sexually abused, then your pain is very liable to be stuck right there. 
But if you learn how to gently massage it, and there's these, you know, crystal wands available, plastic wands, so that you can just really gently massage that area. Or if you're in relationship and you have a trusted partner, they can do that. And eventually that area will kind of wake up. That's also the area that's involved when you stimulate it with female ejaculation, which is called amrita, you know, the sort of the, the gift of bliss. So if you understand that all this stuff is stored in your body and that part of healing is to feel it and release it, you don't need to go back down into that awful time, mm -hmm. but you, you don't. The tapping, tapping works great. You know, the emotional freedom technique works beautifully for releasing trauma. And there's a lot of studies on that one. So you just do that, you know, with the, with the hands, Three like fingers. even though, yeah, like even though I've been sexually abused and I have enormous shame, I love and appreciate myself right now. And then you go here, even though, you know, I have been sexually abused and I feel really guilty about it and I didn't know and I oh my god and I you know I love and appreciate then you tap here uh, inside the eyebrows outside of the eyebrow underneath the eyebrow underneath the nose below the lip here then you do uh, on the clavicle here and then the bra line here and these are all acupuncture points and they found that just tapping on these decreases cortisol. It feel decreases better. cortisol. Yeah. Like, you know, and so you, there's a, there's an app to my friends, the Ortners have oh. created the tapping solution app and it's fantastic. And they're, they've got all these free tapping scripts now tapping meditations. So just download the tapping solution on your phone. I think they have a free one on anxiety right now. Really, really helpful, really helpful. So that's, you know, for starters, I would do that. The other thing is to realize you're not alone. It's almost like the majority of women have had this happen. And I think one of the things that makes it so hard is that you're told if you're a little kid, don't tell anyone or I will kill you. I mean, women have been told that. And the other thing is oftentimes a part of them enjoyed the attention or enjoyed the feeling. So then they feel terribly guilty about that. And they don't really understand that this was abuse because they thought that they were being chosen. There's an amazing book, a memoir called Wild Game. And it is the story of a woman with a, I would call it a borderline mother who was larger than life and, you know, made, did these incredible cookbooks and was glamorous and you know, and the daughter always wanted to be chosen by her mother. And the mother enrolled her into her secret affair with the husband of her husband's best friend. I mean, this, this man who was the best friend of her husband, she starts to have an affair and enrolls the daughter, who's 12 at the time, in keeping the secret. So the daughter feels as though she's been chosen and she's got this secret thing with her mother, and it feels so good. And only much later did she realize how damaging that was. It's a fantastically written memoir, Wild Game. So for any woman who's had that experience, or being chosen by your father, like you're, you're the one. It's a, it's a complicated thing. It's not very straightforward, unless it's an out-and-out -out rape. You know, and we know, you and I know, 
that generally the rapes that have taken place on college campuses are often from someone you knew. Yeah, it's not just, you know, a stranger flashing you in the street. So there is this um, a sense of, and then the other sense is, you brought it on. You know, like it, there's a display in a museum, it's called What I Was Wearing. And uh, you can see it online, What I Was Wearing. And it's kind of wonderfully healing because women have been blamed. Well, you brought it on yourself by what you were wearing. And when you see the display of what girls were wearing, you know, a jumper and knee socks, like, you know, not, not exactly a teddy. So um, it's, this is what's healing right now in our culture, that we're bringing this up. And for the very first time, we can talk about it and no one thinks you're crazy. Yes. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. And yet it's still that we have so much work to do. And I'm just really just sending out a blessing to everyone who's listening, just taking a deep breath in and deep breath out because it can be triggering. This conversation can be triggering and traumatic. And it just means we have work to do. I'm glad you're listening so that we can bring this to the surface and heal from it. You know, guys, you can always email me. No questions asked, right? There's healing that has to be done here and we'll do it. We'll do it. And this part of this conversation is sharing this information so that we do complete healing. We do complete healing. And so I love what you said, the the physiology, right? The body holds energy and emotions and that releasing in the G spot. And and this is a really important thing. It's like whether you you know where it means whether you know your G-spot, you felt your G-spot or not, it doesn't matter. That energy is still stored there and you can you can feel it. So I always tell clients, you know, go in through the front door up to the second floor in the back of the front window. Oh, that's <laughs> very good. I like that. That's very <laughs> so good. So you just All right. curl up and that's it. Yep. And that's how you can find it, identify it and massage it and work to release it. So would you say massage or just continuous pressure like you would do a pressure point? Either one. I would go with what feels right to you. Massage is very good. Make sure you use lubrication. But pressure could also work because we know in massage, very often when a massage therapist presses on something, you you can release the, the whole area there. And it's very important. I like that you tell women put their hands in there, find out what's in here. I, you know, I don't know if you were, when I created this uh, Prairie Marifica vaginal cream, the question was, did we need an applicator? And I thought, oh, come on, you've got to use your hands to know your body. Having an applicator just doesn't make any sense. And I know you don't have an applicator for any of your stuff either. Uh, no, this exactly. Is the applicator. <laughs> exactly. And it's so good. I mean, it's good for your skin everywhere, right? That's your right. That's up. right. And then just being able to use it vaginally, to be comfortable using it vaginally, to be comfortable with your vagina. Your And I tell clients, clitoris to anus, the most valuable real estate on your body. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's very good. That's good. Because it's so true, because as we age, we've seen as gynecologists, women in their, you know, any age, really, we see, we see lichen sclerosis, we see prolapse, we see clitoral atrophy, and that can start young, especially on birth control pills. We've definitely seen that. And incontinence and these, then don't forget rectal prolapse, hemorrhoids, fissures, all these changes happen. If we're not treating and conditioning our pelvic floor with exercise, pelvic floor exercise, and I'm with you, I I always say pelvic floor exercise instead of 
Kegels. I hate to use the word Kegels. I know, right? I know. But we do want to honor Dr. Kegel because he did, you know, at his time was really good. <laughs> it was, right, to bring attention and really to make it to bring it to everyone. And that's Kegel exercises, public floor exercises. We do it from, you know, now till now till the end. But that this is important real estate to consider. And so many women have shut off waist down. Oh God, so, yes. Advice to awaken up you know, our feminine wisdom, our sexual wisdom, the, you know, and you talk about it so beautiful with the energy, right? The chakras. If you could explain that, I would so appreciate it. Okay. Well, what I would say is a good way to awaken it is to just put on a song like um, Fallen by Alicia Keys and do some big, slow hip circles. Big, slow. Make it as wide as you possibly can, as sensual as you possibly can. Remembering that belly dancing was traditionally taught by grandmothers to their granddaughters to help them give birth. So you put on a piece of music that's very sensual, and then you just do a big hip circle going all the way around. And I first did this at Sheila Kelly's S Factor studio in New York, where they were teaching women, and you know, obviously will after this pandemic is done. And um, I remember being in a room with the teacher and just moving my hips so slowly like that. And I said to her, I think I've waited my entire life <laughs> to do this, <laughs> you know, because it's women only just in a darkened room and just sinking into that second chakra center, which is pleasure but it's also money, sex, and power, and power. And now you think about prostitution, right? Man's oldest profession. You hear people talk about shake your money maker. And uh, human sexuality teacher Kim Anami uh, talks a lot about when you wake up this area of your body, it can increase your income dramatically. And that's interesting. So... I would say you want to sink your energy down in there. And at first, there can be some gnarly memories. Even if you were to do a Kegels just now as we sit here, so you're just going to squeeze the muscles that would stop the flow of urine and then bring that energy up like the Taoist exercise. You bring the energy up from the perineum, from the pelvis. You shoot it up the back of your spine all the way top of the head, and you put your tongue on the roof of your mouth, that completes the circuit. So you squeeze the pelvis, you do some perineal contractions. Imagine the energy going up the back of your spine, over the top of your head. By the way, the Sphinx in ancient Egypt was a snake that came right to here, but the Saracens shot it off in the 1800s. Okay, so this comes up this way, and then just down to your dantian, it's called underneath the belly button. So you can literally revitalize yourself just by squeezing the area and um, energy goes where it flows, where attention goes. So what you're doing is you're literally moving that sexual, creative, pleasurable energy up through your entire body to nourish all the organs of the body up through the brain and then down you just store the energy below the belly button in the dantian and there's a lot of taoist literature on that but that's a way that you can begin 
the other thing is, I don't know if you instruct people on jade egg practice or anything of that nature. I just got a thing called um, Fit. Have yes, you used yes, that at all? Yes, I love it. So I've got to do a feature on it. I think it's it's great because of that biofeedback response, like being able to feel, you know, are you contracting? How well are you contracting? And then now I've got to do it over time to see if that's improving. Okay, good, good. Because I just got one, but I haven't, you know, I haven't had time to use it yet. But things like this are really very, very helpful, kind of like the menstrual cycle trackers and the software that young women are using now. I mean, I remember when I got pregnant, I did basal body temperatures with an old mercury thermometer and did my graphs. And now, of course, that's all done with an app. And it's so much easier to understand the energy of that connection between your creativity and the cycle of the moon, for instance. That's another way to tune into your pelvic wisdom. So are we more creative with the full moon or... How does well, here's work? what I say about the full moon. The full moon, well, ovulation, we know, is associated with an FSHLH surge and a testosterone peak. So therefore, at ovulation, women feel, I call it, maximally receptive to cross-pollination. And you know and I know because we've seen, we've seen the cervical mucus when a woman is ovulating. And suddenly, you know, the cervix is wide open and the cervical mucus has this spin bar kite, like a beautiful ferning pattern. So it's like a super highway for sperm. But the body is also biosymbolic. So this is also a time for being maximally receptive to cross-pollination by others. You might have a spike in your libido. And then what I like to tell women is during perimenopause, that's kind of this way all over the place. You're moving from alternating current to direct current. But once menopause is finished, your FSH LH levels stay up at the same level they were after at ovulation for the rest of your life, which is why women past menopause are the wisdom keepers. And also in the shamanic tradition, we retain our wise blood. So we're not leaking that energy every single month. So there's a magic at every single stage. You don't lose anything. Our culture teaches you that you do, but you don't. For instance, the studies showing that it is women in their 60s, 70s, 80s having the best sex of their lives. It's not what you've been told. I love that and definitely encourage that, especially once we overcome the vaginal dryness, those issues, that reigniting your feminine sexual energy, igniting your relationship, and that is a powerful time period. How do you like reconceptualize men? I mean, menopause, again, not a good word. I mean, it's just it's not, not. It's not. You're absolutely right. It's not. It's kind of a... It's moving into becoming the queen of your life. It's really what it is. And, you know, you and I both know that. I, I've been there. And I, again, most of my writing has been to refute the mainstream narrative about women's health. So, you know, the wisdom of menopause was, I don't think that I'm going to do this thing that everyone's doing. Okay, so, you know, get fat be alone the rest of your life, get a mom haircut, and that's the end of sexuality and sensuality. And then I found, well, that's not true. And you know, then I wrote Goddesses Never Age, which was my exploration of being vibrant long after the culture has said, you know, that's not, not it. 
And so I've found that indeed, everything we've been told about women by the mainstream is wrong. It's just wrong. However, it is true. You and I both know this, that if you're having, if you enter perimenopause in a stressful relationship with adrenal burnout, with working too long or being a shift worker, any of those things, you're going to be depleted. So you need to understand this is the gateway to the second half of your life. So this is a time when you can reboot all the systems. There's a lot of life after the age of 52, 52 being the average age of the last period. I love it. And I just learned recently that in Japan, they say, you know, for this time after menopause, they call it koninki, which means second spring. So I'm like, okay, our goal now is to breeze through menopause into our second spring. That's right. And That's I, right. I love that. That just makes me happy thinking about that, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yes, that's what we yeah. want because that's what should be vibrant. Worked hard, have, you know, raised maybe in the process of finishing, like me raising, I have a 12-year-old, <laughs> right? I'd be 54 oh with God. a 12-year-old. So, yeah, so yeah. you know, and that, that yeah, just thinking about puberty again, it's just like, whew, all right, I've got to make sure <laughs> we are completely keto green for this little one. So she's yeah. balanced. And just thinking about this transition into life. And I, and I want women to know that. I want women and men to know that, that it absolutely sexual intercourse and intimacy and that connection, anything we can do to increase oxytocin is even more important now and rewarding. Like there's another shift, right? Like once you're through the cloud of reproductive hormones, <laughs> yes, there's a yes. whole nother spiritual awareness. And I see you embody like a spiritually enlightened woman, you know, and, and gifted and passionate and so giving. You know, I think that's where every, I want every woman to embody their queen, as you said, their queen. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So I don't figure the crone thing comes to like 90. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, because for most of human history, I mean, if you figure it out in 1900, the average woman was dead when she saw her first grandchild born and she was about 42. So we've invented as humanity this whole new stage of life where you have wisdom under the hood here. You, you have a few things going on. So you can bring that into any relationship. And what I've said, you know, the OBGYN literature that says 50% um, of women suffer from FSD female sexual dysfunction. And then you look at those stupid drugs that they've invented, like Vilesi and the other one, you know, great. You have a glass of wine, you faint. Great. Or you're nauseated. I mean, I just reviewed them for Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. And it's shocking to me that the FDA would approve anything that stupid. I'm serious. It, it's shocking when, in fact, what you need to do is change the way a woman thinks about her sexuality and make yourself a sex subject, not a sex object. And there's all kinds of things that you can do. The Bedansky's book, The Illustrated Guide to Extended Massive Orgasm, is a fantastic. It's a biofeedback book about how you turn on the female erotic system, which, as you know, is every bit as much erectile tissue as men have. It's just all inside. And we put a man on the moon 25 years before 
the female erotic anatomy and the clitoral system was discovered and depicted. Because I remember when I was doing uh, the last revision of Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, I called up Scott Layton, who's my medical illustrator, and he works for the New England Journal of Medicine. I said, Scott, I need you to you know, go to the Countway Library, find the, the plates for the female erotic anatomy and you know, all that so we can put that in there. He goes, it's not there. <laughs> I mean, in medical textbook, you and me, OBGYN, board certified physicians, did we learn about the female erotic anatomy and where it is and what it is and the perianal um, sponge and the periurethral sponge and the, you know, the crurie of the clitoris? No, that's insane. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we knew very well with male anatomy, right? We oh my absolutely God. Um, oh, yeah. studied on that. And also that brings even what we were told, you know, the Masters Johnson model of sexual function, right? Of 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 the sexual, the libido, the sex drive, the sexual curve or orgasm, and how different that is. And then Bassan's model, which is like, I always say it looks like Candyland. <laughs> You know, like sometimes you get ice cream cones like, yay, and sometimes you're stuck in the mud. Sometimes you have to go back to the beginning. <laughs> but that's the reality. So in your, also in your amazing book, I mean, really, you have women's bodies, women's wisdom, wisdom of menopause, goddesses never age, and so many good work, you know, so many good programs. And, and you have a new women's program that you have that you're launching. Yeah, it's, uh, yes, it's an online program. So it's a sort of like the operating manual that every woman should know for your body. Awesome. Awesome. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to share this and share this information with our audience. So I'm honoring your time, but I, I like I don't want to let you go. Chris. I just want to <laughs> hold on to you as long as I can. But just in the in the last moment closing, and especially those of us in the menopause, post-menopause, that goddess, reclaiming our goddess, changing our attitude about getting older. How would you speak to us? What would you say? What do you say to us? Let me give you the term that I learned. I was working, doing dream work with Doris E. Cohen, and I had learned tango, and I was just worried that I would be, uh, you know, would be alone the rest of my life, all that stuff that women feel. And she, she says to me, my dear, goddesses never age. And I realized what she was talking about was the eternal essence of who we are that is ageless timeless. And the more we get in touch with that, the more it shines through our eyes. And that's where you must start. Then any other stuff that we do, like skincare and cosmetic surgery, whatever you want to do, that is all good. But I will tell you, if you don't get in touch with this ageless, timeless goddess part of yourself, then nothing else will really work for very long. So that's why you want to be in touch with that. And the perimenopause time and you know also your work like you know with with this like keto green that's part of how we wake that up mm -hmm. yeah and i found that to be really critical you know in just embracing that touching in and and also it's like it can be a discipline and a practice i know like yes. keep saying it to yes. yourself keep engaging and when we're honest our spirit is as sprite as ever, right? Just why Absolutely. It's so yes. sprite. So that energy, that goddess energy, that spiritual energy, that this within us, I would say the Holy Spirit within us, I mean, is a tremendous 
vibrant, flirty, you know, just loving, open, giving, you know, that embodies this, the best of being a woman. And thank you for all your work. Thank you for paving my way as an OBGYN into this field. And that, you know, I just, um, I encourage everyone listening, check out the newest edition, fifth edition of Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom by Dr. Christiane Northrup. Chris, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Anna. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate your work. Oh, thank you. One, one more thing. How do people get a hold of you and get your program? DrNorthrop.com. Everything will be there. Also, I'm on Facebook regularly and Instagram. So those are, and a little bit on Twitter. <laughs> I, I'm going to go find you on Instagram right now. It's my new play toy. It's, it's fun, <laughs> isn't it? It's fun. <laughs> it is. Well, thank you again. All right. Thank you. Truly, in our discussion today with Dr. Christiane Northrup on the Girlfriend Doctor podcast, we covered some ground and just some history. And hopefully, you're feeling right now hopeful and ready to engage that spiritual energy within you, that goddess energy, however you want to term it. I say the butterfly emerging out of a cocoon and into a butterfly. This is a new time beyond menopause and also how we honor our elderly and listening to them and encouraging them and hoping them. I really have reflected, and I was thinking about this as we were talking with Dr. Christiane Northrup about our, our elderly bringing them back into our homes. You know, my parents have passed away, but it took care, helped take care of my father when he needed to in his last uh, couple years of life. And it's, it's a challenge, but the wisdom that our elders can provide to us and to our children, that's a gift. That's a gift. And also, how do we whatever situation that we're in right now, like how do we then want to care for our children, our grandchildren, our great grandchildren, God willing, right? I'm 54 with a 12 year old. So, you know, I'll be 54 this year with a 12 year old. So what does that look like? But I want to have energy, vitality, spunk, lots of life and a lot of wisdom. I can help the learning curve of those that are coming after us. What what a difference that will make in our lives. And and for you too, looking forward to this chapter of our life and that we can do it healthfully and powerfully in in all ways so there are tools that we've created dr northrup myself we know that many standard of care medical options are not satisfactory and or not enough we want to get to the underlying root cause and it's definitely something i've done through my own healing journey creating products and programs to help including mighty maca jolva she was referring to my jolva anti-aging cream for the vulva as well as my programs in the book keto green 16 i hope you all have been reading keto green 16 and will add to your library dr northrup's book women's bodies women's wisdom and continue to learn grow and approach your life with passion in a vibrantly sexy holistic healthy happy way so don't forget i'm here for you and so happy to be your girlfriend doctor so bye till next time